Um, there have been times over the last few years that I've kind of watched other people teach on that last Sunday of December or that first January in, or that first Sunday in January, and I've been a little jealous because I'm like, man, I, I want a shot kind of at that time of year because it's a great time to to look back and evaluate, and especially this year, because we get to look back at 2019 and do some evaluation and maybe make some commitments for 2020, but we also get to look back and kind of just take stock of the last 10 years. We're at the end of a decade, and so I'm getting a chance to kind of look back and think through these last 10 years of my life, and it's been really fun, and for all of us, as we look back at 2019, there have been I would assume some really good things that have happened and some hard things that had happened. In the Kegler family, uh, we lost a, a, a dog that had been part of our family for 13 years. And I never considered my, myself a real animal guy. I loved our dog, but I was just like, man, it was really hard. You know, I was like, wow, I am, I am kind of a dog guy. I am kind of a, an animal guy. And so that was a hard part. And then the, the other thing that's going on right now is if, if you know me, you know I've got a wife of um, 30 years and three daughters. And I have, for all this time, I have had the throne at the Kegler household. I have been the male priority, okay, at the Kegler household, Okay. Well, there is another boy that has entered the picture at the Kegler household, okay? And uh, we like him. He's a great guy, walking with Jesus, taking great care of my daughter. But I'm kind of wrestling with, hey, I kind of don't know what to do with this. What do I do with this? Do I share this? Do I not? Does he have to do everything I say? That won't go well for you, I promise. Okay, but just kind of wrestling through that. So we're going to do today, we're going to be a little bit reflective uh, about what are the things that we can do to make our 2020 great, but also how can we make uh, 2020s great, and more importantly, how can we make your eternity great? That's what we're going we're gonna to talk about today, and uh, so let me pray for us. Let's ask the Lord to do a great work uh, in our heart, and also I think it'll be a great day, I hope, in the history of our church, because we apply what God's Word says, and it just changes the tra- trajectory of our church. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege to be together with my friends and my family. Uh, it is a gift to be able to take uh, a Sunday for the next 40 minutes or so and just kind of look at your word and understand how we can apply it in a way uh, that will keep us on mission and that will make our eternity great. And I pray, Lord, that it would transform our church, that my friends, our family here would become ministers of the gospel, Father, in Collin County that we would disciple the people that you bring to us, that we would draw, that you would draw people to Christ through us, and that we would be changed, and that our community and our county would be changed because of your word and our application of it. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news or not. And so um, over the course of the last year, there have been a couple of guys that I kind of looked up to. Um, some people would call them celebrity pastors. Uh, one in particular uh, that, that really helped us when we were starting Watermark 20 years ago. Um, but in the last year, these two guys that I've looked up to um, have basically uh, blown it. Just uh, they, have, they have disqualified themselves 
from ministry, kind of what his, some things that were going on in their lives in the past kind of got exposed, and they lost their platform uh, for ministry. And so I'm kind of, I've kind of watched that happen this year, and then uh, unfortunately, I've had some really good friends on um, our Watermark staff that kind of got their priorities out of order. They have been faithfully serving. They've been manning their station on the, on the battleship for a long time and kind of lost their way and basically have had to, to leave our staff because they just kind of blew out or burned out or bugged out or whatever, whatever you want to say. Um, and so that's happened to a couple of friends. And then I've got another friend who I've, I've lived life with with a long time, not on staff, not anything, has played a significant role in my life, in the lives of my daughters, especially discipling them, coaching them. And so this year she just kind of said, hey, I'm, not, I'm just going to kind of check out on the things that I've prioritized in my life for the last 15, you know, 15, 20, 25 years. And so I'm looking around and I'm trying to be a good observer of our culture and what's happening. And I just want to, I just want to, as I've done that, I want to give you three things that happen, okay? Whenever somebody is in a position of leadership, and just so you know, today's message is not just for pastors, okay, and church staff. It's for everybody, Okay, there's nothing magical about the fact that I've got a pastor next to my name. We are all Christ followers wanting to grow in our Christ likeness. And so, um, so there were three things that I just kind of noticed. One is those folks were all saying, that will never happen to me. They were saying, that will not happen to me is one of the common things with those folks that I'm talking about. The secondly, and maybe even more important, and this is important for all of us, staff, non-staff, just Christian, is that they had made decisions in their life that caused the weight of their life to be heavier than their soul could support. And I just want to stop for a minute. And one of the questions I want you to ask yourself today is, is the weight of my life heavier than my soul can support? Because that leads to really bad things in our life. And then the third thing that I've noticed about these folks is that they, they kind of hide uh, what's going on in their life. Like they come to the realization that, hey, there's something going on in my life that's not healthy, okay, but I, but I can't... I can't tell anybody because I'll lose my image or I'll lose my job or I'll lose this or that, and they hide. And what happens is that the cover-up becomes worse than the actual crime, or the hiding becomes worse than the sin, and the hiding becomes the problem. And so as we think about this today, as we reflect back on 2019 and maybe longer, I've got this vision for our church and that vision is that every single one of us that call Watermark Plano home would live in a daily desperate dependence on the Lord. And I, and I mean, I want to flesh that out today. What does it mean to live daily desperately dependent upon the Lord? And so just think about that. Think about that if everybody in our church who comes here on Sundays are part of our family is every morning, they are, every evening, whatever your time is, they're crying out to the Lord, would you transform me? Would you transform my friends? Would you help me to spend my money differently? Would you help me to 
uh, do my calendar differently? Would you help me to be on mission differently? I hope every one of us is asking that question here at the end of 2019. God, what would you have me do to be fully devoted and living a daily desperate life? And so there's an illustration here that I've used lots of times, and it's really helpful. And so you're going to recognize the pictures that I'm about to put up. And so you're going to see sinkholes, okay? And a sinkhole basically happens in an area where there's a limestone bedrock, and then on top of that, there's a thin layer of topsoil, okay? And so everything on the surface, okay, looks great, okay? But what happens is that the the rain and the runoff kind of comes across that topsoil and it starts seeping into that limestone. And over the course of time, it erodes, okay, everything that's under that, that layer of topsoil. And this is what happens, okay? And just think about that, that it looked great five minutes before this happened. Everything was totally fine. And then look at the destruction, there's another picture we'll show you that it even just, it, obviously a community lives right there. I, I don't know how deep that thing is, but it does all kinds of damage and all kinds of destruction, even though it looks really, really good on the top layer. And so what I want to do today, I, I want to just give you kind of three points that are going to help us not develop sinkholes in our own lives and to keep us living in a way that we are daily, desperately dependent upon the Lord. That's what I want to do. I want to go to God's word, and I want to dive in, and I would love um, to do that with you. So we're going to look at uh, a listening life. How do we develop, uh, cultivate a life where we're listening to the Lord? How do we cultivate a life where we're examining our own life? And then how do we live a missional life? And I will just tell you, these disciplines have been part of my life for the last 20 or so years, 20 or 25 years. And you need to know I've got issues in my life. I've got habitual sin. I'm fighting in my life. I've got all kinds of things. But I'm telling you, I love my life with Christ. I love the mission he's got me on. I love the way that we're fleshing that out together as a church. I love what's going on with my wife and my kids. It is a blast to walk not perfectly with the Lord, but to walk passionately with Jesus. And I just want to invite every single one of you to jump in and, if, and just see how you're doing today. Do a, do a check. How am I doing at listening to the Lord and examining my life and then being on mission? So let's jump into the first one. And so you're going to notice as we jump into how to cultivate a listening life that the scripture says has a lot to say uh, about the one in Proverbs 4.23 Okay, it just says, guard your heart above, above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So it's saying, pay attention to your soul, to your heart above everything else, but it, because it determines the direction that we're going. In Psalm 27, 4, King David says this, he says, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. Catch it? One thing. King David is telling us, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and look at what he's doing. What's the one thing? To behold the beauty of the Lord. And so he's saying, hey, I'm going to be in the presence of God, and I'm going I'm to meditate 
on the attributes of God, his character, justice, and mercy, and all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, all of those attributes. I'm going I'm to behold those things. I'm going I'm to inquire of those things. And then it goes on, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Another translation says inquire. So you get the sense that David is in the presence of God and he's got his feet up and he's got his cup of coffee and he's sitting there and he's saying, what, what, God, who are you? Show me who you are. What if Watermark Plano on a regular basis started practicing Psalm 27.4 where we were spending time beholding the beauty of the Lord and inquiring in his temple. There's another passage Uh, Luke 10, 38 through 42, many of you are familiar with it, but it says this. It says, now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, this was Jesus, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, really important, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered by so many things, but only, there's our language, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from you. And so King David is telling us, hey, above all else, one thing. Jesus is telling us one thing really matters. One more place. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 says this. It's in the NLT. It says, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God, here we go, above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you every single thing that you need. And so God is saying to us through David, through Jesus, through the story of Mary and Martha, that we need to prioritize kingdom of God stuff first. And let me tell you how that happens. We are all busy. I get all the time people will walk up to me and say, hey, Kyle, I know you're busy. And I'm like, stop. We're all busy. Everybody's busy. And so one of my applications, one of the suggestions today is as you're doing your calendar for 2020, before you start scheduling a ton of things, schedule this. I'm going to spend time with the Father, okay, during these times for this week and the next week. And for me, I've got to do a fairly regular time every day or I don't get back to it. But one of the things that will help us as a church as we want to be on mission is that every single one of us is spending time with the Lord and we're meditating in his temple. And I just want you to know, when I don't do these things, when I don't prioritize the Lord, things don't go well for me. Uh, I had a chance a couple of years ago to do Regen, and it was one of the greatest things that I've ever done in my life. And so kind of my statement in the Regen group that I was in was, hi, I'm Kyle. I have a new life in Christ, and I am a recovering, people-pleasing, paceaholic because of insecurity that comes from respect-seeking, comfort-seeking, and a dad-wounded life. You need to know that your campus pastor here is a mess. And so I have to seek a daily 
desperate dependence on the Lord to not be the guy that's got the sinkhole life or the girl that's got the sinkhole life going on in their life. And the way that I do that is by listening. One of the ways I do that is by listening to the Lord. And so one of the things that's helpful for me uh, as I do this is I think about those friends of mine that have kind of blew out and disqualified themselves from leading. Um, I said at the beginning, hey, that they, they thought that would never happen to them. And one of the things that you can do as you move forward in your growth in Christ is that you can't, don't say that, <laughs> right? Because it can happen to you. I am one bad decision tonight from losing everything that I have, from losing the ministry that I have, from losing the family that I have, from losing the close friends that I have. I could go home tonight, and after everybody's in bed, I could flip on the TV and I could watch something that I, that, that I shouldn't watch. And then it plants a seed. And then tomorrow night I do the same thing and I do it for a little longer. And then the next night I do the same thing and I look up in two weeks and it's a habit. And then it's an addiction. And then a month goes by, two months go, I say, oh, I can't afford to tell anybody that because I'll lose my job. Or I can't afford to tell anybody that because people won't think I'm worthy of being a pastor. And I keep going and I keep going and I keep going and all of a sudden when it comes out, I'm disqualified from ministry and my family's a mess. We are all one bad decision away. One bad decision away. It's the top of the slide. We make that decision that starts us down the slide. And so I'm just, all I'm telling you is don't live in fear. I'm just telling you live with a healthy respect that the devil wants to eat you right? He wants to devour you, it says in 1 Peter 5, 8. And so there's a couple of quotes that have helped me in this process. I would even tell you this year, kind of February through July, I looked up and I kind of caught myself, uh, that whole paceaholic thing uh, kind of bit me again. I said yes to helping with the Porch North, and Dallas had asked me to do some stuff with the Watermark East folks that are kind of thinking about putting a campus out there, and I had the Plano stuff, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, I found out I've got to have two eye surgeries, which meant I had about 50, over the course of three months, I had 15 doctor's appointments, all kinds of other things. I had a season where I couldn't drive, or at least my wife told me I couldn't drive. She made me do a driving test in order to be able to drive again, all kinds of stuff, right? And so all that, I just looked up this summer and I said, hey, this has not been healthy. I have not sought first the kingdom of God. I haven't made those things a priority. And I paid the price from a ministry standpoint, relationally. I was more short. I was stressed. There were all kinds of things. Thankful I had people in my life that just said, hey, Kegler, you are out. Uh, this is not good healthy for you. You need to get back, back on the path, back on the journey. The second quote, and probably the most profound quote uh, that's impacted my life is by a guy named E.M. Bounds, and it says this. It says, the men who have most fully illustrated Christ in their character and have most powerfully affected the world for him have been men who spend so much time with God as to make it a notable feature in their lives. To be little with God is to be little for God. And I can't quite give you 100% if you spend time with God, 
that you're going to grow, but it's, I can give you about 98% that the way that you grow is by spending time with him. There's a couple of reasons why you might not. I've known some people in the past that have done everything I've asked them to do as, we, as we've been in a discipleship relationship, and they're just struggling. They're not growing. And I always ask a couple of questions when that's the case. One is, is there any hidden sin in your life? Because that will stunt your growth. And the other one is, is there any abuse in your background? Because that we have found over the course of time is that that can stunt growth as well. And if you haven't talked about that, it can hinder what God is trying to do in your life. And so we have ministries like Shelter from the Storm for the women and Mend for the men. And if that's part of your story and it's going to help you start to grow and live daily dependent upon the Lord, man, would you raise your hand, tell somebody, and let us come alongside and walk with you in all of that. And so let me ask you a couple of applicational questions. Here's one, just to take a picture of these on the screen or whatever is helpful to you. But how often are you spending focused time with the Lord listening to his word? And I don't mean just pull out and just do your, read your chapter of the Bible. I want our church to be great at having an intimate relationship with God. John 17, 3 says this is eternal life that they know you, the one true God, and your son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. To know him is equal to eternal life. Let's be good at that so that we can be on mission and we can hear from the Lord. The second one is this. What change can you make in your schedule to create time with the Lord? And I would just tell you again, you can't try and fit it in. you got to put that down first and then build around it is the practical application for that passage. Okay, so let's grow in our listening life. Secondly, let's grow in how we examine our life. And so I find out that a lot of Christ followers that I get a chance to walk with do pretty well at understanding they need to pray and spend time with the Lord and do those kind of things. But that time is not spent taking a hard look and reflecting and examining their life. But the scripture would tell you that this is really important. Um, in Psalm 51.6, it says, Behold, God, that you desire truth in the inmost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. So God is saying to us, hey, in the inner part of our life, in the underground that people don't see, I need you to be honest with me, the Lord is saying. I need you to have integrity and authenticity. It's why we talk about that so much around this place. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, search me, O God, know my heart. Try, try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. And so the psalmist is just saying, hey God, here I am. Search my heart. Pry into my life. Show me what you want me to know about my life. But being aware of your sin is not enough, right? We examine our lives so that it moves us to confession and repentance. James 5.16 says, therefore confess sins to one another and you may be healed. In Proverbs 28.13, it says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And I just, I know there are people in this room right now that are on the verge of a sinkhole moment. 
There are friends in this place right now that I've been a part of their sinkhole moments that they have said, hey, Kyle, we have something we need to confess to you. And can I tell you my response when people come and do that? I'm like, thank you for telling me. And I'm so glad that you're free. That there's freedom because you've confessed things that you, we have this picture that everybody's going to hate us, but it says you're going to find compassion and it's what you get from our staff. It's what you're going to get from your community group leaders is that you're going to find compassion. And I just sit there and say, I love that you found freedom. Now, how are we going to help you be restored gently, Galatians 6.1 says. And so that may mean that we have to pull somebody off the front lines for a season. It's totally fine. But our heart is to restore that person gently. So if you're here and you've got hidden sin, I would tell you before it implodes on you, you implode it. And what I mean by that is you may be sitting here saying, hey, I can't confess that because of all the damage that will happen to my family. i got to protect them from all that. Don't do that. That's, that's a bad idea. Implode it yourself. We'll put cones around it, okay? And then we'll walk with you to restore you gently. But this examined life leads to confession and repentance, and we want to be a part of that with you. And let me tell you just how that plays out daily in my life. And so on a daily basis, almost daily, I won't say daily, but I will open my journal, which is my journal on my computer, and I will write down first thing. This is, I call this pre-Bible, before I open God's word. And I just put, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Or I will say, hey, God, I realized this morning that you're in charge and I'm not. Or something like that just reminds me of my relationship to the Lord, okay? And because I want, when I get to God's word, I want to be dependent. I want to be desperate. I want God's word to give me life as I go in there. And so I do that, and then I write down uh, prayers and things that are on my heart. So I'll just real quickly bullet point, hey, here are the things that are on my heart today. Uh, my daughter is looking for a job. I'll pray for that. Um, hey, here's the places yesterday I didn't do well, or man, I, I do not want to have that conversation later today. I'll just kind of dump those things out, kind of a heart dump uh, in my journal, and then I'll get to God's word. And before, just before that, there are four words. Some of the guys that are in Summit have heard me teach this before. But I have four words that kind of guide me as I practice daily confession and repentance. Just so you know, Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists of all time, somebody asked him one time, how do you not get arrogant and prideful because of the impact that you've had on the world for Christ? And he just said, I practice confession and repentance every day. I put the log that nugget away about 25 years ago, and I'm trying to do that. I don't do it every day, but I want that so badly to be part of my life. And so I use four words. Say hooked, cold, scared, and proud. And so I'll say to the Lord, feet up on the table, got my cup of coffee. Lord, where did my heart and soul get hooked in the last 24 hours? And so a lot of times for me, that's food, like food had control over me. A lot of times that's how I'm sitting down watching too, much, too many sports on TV and not serving the way I ought to be serving. And other times it's just straight lazy. I'm seeking comfort above all else and not the kingdom above all else. 
And so that's hooked. And then there's another word that I use, cold. And cold is, hey, where did my heart grow cold in the last 24 hours? And so what I mean by that is, hey, where did I miss a divine appointment that God had set up for me? That I blew past an opportunity to love and care for somebody or pray for somebody, if that's my family or whatever. That Where did I just blow past that? Where did I miss an opportunity to engage somebody in a spiritual conversation? Because that's cold-heartedness is what that is. That person potentially is lost and doesn't know Jesus. And I'm cold-hearted towards the fact that they're not going to spend eternity with Christ. So hook, cold, scared It's the third word. Where, 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 did, where was I fearful today? What hard conversation did I need to have with either a staff person or a family member or a member at Watermark or whoever else? And I just shied away because I was afraid. Where did I, and the last one is proud. And it is where do I take credit? Where did I take credit for what God has done? I love to do that. I like to take credit for the things that God's doing when Jesus has said very clearly, I can do nothing, okay, apart from him. John 15, that I can do nothing. And so those things help me create a daily dependence so that when I come to the scripture, I'm like, okay, God, I need you. Speak to me. Tell me what you need me to do to stay tight with you. And so a couple of things that uh, may be helpful to you, I hope they are. Um, once a year, uh, I get together with four or five of my buddies. We've been doing this for about 20 years. And the goal is we spend 48 hours together to just kind of evaluate. And uh, we'll do it at the 1st of February, and we'll evaluate 2019. How was it? How'd you do with your ministry? How'd you do with family? How'd you do with your job? All those kind of things. And so we know each other really well. But one of the things that we do um, and we don't do it every year, but every few years, we will send out um, a survey to our spouse and our kids. And we will say, and I'll read you some questions here in just a second, hey, how did, uh, how did dad do? And to my wife, hey, how did I do this year? And so let me tell you about the Kegler household. Um, I love my wife. She loves me. I feel respected, loved, cared for by her, but she is a truth teller. Okay, and if any of y'all know my wife, you know that she's a truth teller. So when I send that out to her, I give that to her, there's a little bit of fear and trembling, okay, about what's coming back. Wives, if you do this for your husbands, send it out. Here's a couple of the questions, um, and, and we particularly wrote them so we'd start off a little easy and kind of ease ourselves in. So one, hey, what were the best memories that we made together this year as a couple, Second, uh, if someone were to ask you, describe your current marriage relationship, what would you say and why? And then another one, if you could change anything about our marriage, what would it be and why? And you, you don't need those questions. You can think of your own questions. But do you really want to grow? Ask the people closest to you where you're missing the mark. They know. I promise they will tell you, okay, what's happening. So send that. We send one to our kids as well. Uh, and so in the early days, it was like, hey, what, what, what don't you like that dad does? Oh, I don't like that dad spanks me, right? It's that, it's that kind of a deal. But as they got older, their feedback was really helpful. And so here's some of the questions we asked them. Hey, what have been the best times that you've had with your dad this past year? If you, had, if you had to give me some advice about being a better dad, 
what would that be and why? This was a gold question. What are some topics that you would like to talk with and discuss with your dad? So I walk away from this time with my guys, and I got five or six things from every single one of my kids that just said, all right, man, we got topics. Okay, we're going to go talk through these things. And then what are your fears that you would love for your dad to pray for? And so ask them. As you examine your life, ask the people close to you. It's okay for people to get downwind of you and tell you you stink. God already knows it, okay? And so invite them in to be a part of that. Another thing that you might do, and I would really encourage you to do this, these next few days, the end of 2019, I would love for you to write a letter from God to you. It's a little weird. I'm writing a letter from God to me. It is so helpful. And again, you've got to be careful. You don't want, you don't want to put non-biblical things on there. Okay? But do you know what God says to you? I love you. I died for you. You're awesome. I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. Those are the things that ought to be in your letter from God. Let me just read you in 2000, I think, 9 or 10 for this decade. I wrote this, a couple of sentences here. It says, Dear Kyle, you're on the precipice of the greatest decade of your life with your kids, your wife, and your ministry. With your kids, you're entering the discerning years where they will need your loving counsel, your strong encouragement, and your firm hand. They will likely live poorly or well with Christ all their lives based on these next 10 years. This is not a word to put pressure on you, but to encourage you that your life mission will never be more evident to them than it is in these years than they were ever before. And so those were the years when my girls were entering junior high and high school, and they were going to start making decisions about friends they hang out with and how they're going to spend the time and how they're going to spend their money. And I can tell you, man, I, and this is all glory to God, but because we did these things, we examined our life, we had conversations together, all three of my daughters are walking deeply with Jesus. And it's by God's grace. And I know there's some parents out here that have prodigal kids that have been just as diligent as I have with my kids. And I know how painful that is. And I, I, I don't know what to tell you about that other than God's got you, God's got your kid, and he's in control and he's good. That's what I can tell you. And so continue to let people give you, to give you feedback. And so here's a couple of things um, that I would tell you is the reason that I talk about these things is we talk about listening to God. So that's the first step today is, hey, we want to grow in our ability to listen. And so what happens, we grow in our knowledge of God's attributes and who he is. The second part is the examination, and we start to realize just how depraved we are. How fallen we are. That's what the examination does. That's what the confession and repentance does. Is it, 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 it helps us understand our fallenness. And so watch what happens on this chart. Okay, As you grow in this, the knowledge of who God is and how he operates in the universe, and then you grow in your understanding of your sinfulness and your depravity, look what happens to the cross. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger, okay, and your ministry gets more effective and more effective and more effective, and your knowledge and your wisdom that comes from the Spirit of God gets more and more, and God starts giving you, he's, if you're faithful in little, 
God says that you, you, he'll put you in charge of much. And that's what happens. As you do these things, your ministry gets better and better. So a couple of application, application questions for you on this. Are there any areas of disobedience in your life right now? Is there anything that you're hiding that's going to be a sinkhole in the next week, month, year? Please bring it into the light. Let us walk with you. Let us help you. Secondly, is confession and repentance part of your daily rhythm? Because if it's not, I would tell you that there's some room for you to take ground in understanding that you don't have it all together. Neither does your campus pastor. That we are desperate for God and it's why we need him every day. The third thing, and I'll close with this, is just the third thing is we want to live a missional life. We want to be on mission. And so John 4, 34 through 38 says this. It says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Man, I wish I could say that. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, this is Jesus talking, I say to you, and this is the first application point in this passage right here. Behold, first I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Jesus is saying, pay attention to what's going on around you in the world. Pay attention. Those fields are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal so that he who sows and he who reaps reaps may rejoice together. And so a couple of things. Number one is that the harvest is plentiful. Jesus is saying, look up. The fields are white for harvest. The harvest time is brief. We don't know how much time we have to be in the harvesting business. The harvesting time is now, and it's always going to be there for us. So the point of this is that Jesus is telling us that we have to live on mission 24-7. Look, there are times when we need to rest. It's biblical. It's called Sabbath. When we need to take healthy rest, we need to take time away. But even that is missional and being on mission. There's a difference between healthy rest and Sabbath rest. There's a difference between leisure and Sabbath. And so you ought to think about those things. Hey, am I too much here? It's one of the questions I have to ask myself. Am I being lazy? Too much comfort? Too much seeking exactly what I want? And so we need to be on mission all the time. And so let me just tell you how to, you may be here and I've talked about this, and some of this is just kind of flying over your head. Let me just tell you how to start. You may be here, first of all, and you may not even know uh, if you have a relationship with Christ. And I would just tell you, today's your day, right? If you don't have a relationship with Christ, we would like nothing more than to help you understand what that is. We're not going to manipulate that or force that. We love you asking questions. You can ask whatever question you want. We love it. We love the journey with you. But if you don't have a relationship with Christ, we would love to walk through that walk through that with you. Second thing is you need to just confess. If you haven't been on mission, if you just kind of coasted through your Christian walk or you've coasted through 2019 or this last month, just confess. 
it's like confession seems like it's got this big, huge word, and it's just like, just confess. And just say, hey, God, I've missed it here. Help me get back on the track. The great news, God's forgiven you when you say that. And let's just get right back on track. Okay? So you confess, and then you pray for opportunities. Pray for opportunities to be on mission. That may be you out in the community and you're walking, you're talking to people and things like that in an evangelism type way. I promise that's a really good word, not a bad word. Okay, engaging people in spiritual conversations. I would just tell you, the last couple of months, just by God's grace, I've had a chance to pray the prayer of salvation with a couple of folks who just put a stake in the ground and said, hey, I recognize that I've lived a sinful life, and now I want to live life with Christ. And whenever people say to me all the time, hey, I led that person to Christ, it drives me crazy. I know what they mean. Okay, but do you know in the couple of folks in the last month or six weeks or whatever that I've had a chance just to to be here at the right time to pray that prayer with them, do you know how many hundreds of people have been a part of God's mosaic in their life? Hundreds have had conversations, have loved them, have cared for them, have corrected them, and so finally the Lord brings them to a place, okay, man, this God thing is real and I need this. Way to go. That passage we just looked at just says that, hey, reaping and sowing are of equal value. And so there are so many of you, okay, that, that are out sharing your faith, and we all need to be sharing our faith. There's also a bunch of you that as you share your faith in the community, you're serving in our children's and student ministry. Do you know how much sowing is happening in our children's ministry, in our student ministry? It's unbelievable. That's just as valuable as the folks who are reaping and harvesting. Way to go. Don't grow weary in doing good. Keep sowing wherever God's got you. If you don't know where God's got you, let us help you. But we have to be on mission because it helps us in that desperate daily dependence. Because we get out there and... I had a conversation a couple weeks ago where I, do you have a faith? And a guy asked me a question, and I'm kind of, you know, I just kind of fell all over myself. And I went back, I just said, oh, God, I missed it. I'm so sorry. Give me another chance or bring somebody else into that guy's life. But being on mission keeps you desperate and daily dependent. We have got to live missionally. And so let me give you a couple of application questions for this one. Do you have the perspective that you are always on mission? And secondly, are you consistently looking for opportunities to share the gospel and serve others? Are you looking for opportunities? Do you know, I'm scared too. Okay, but I get that little voice, that little prompting in my, hey, this is an opportunity. I'm looking for them. God, God give me the courage to do that. And the greatest piece of advice I ever got, my staff knows this like crazy, on evangelism. Whenever there's an opportunity and you felt God prompt you to have a conversation, okay, and you hear all, hey, I don't know what I would say, or I'm not trained, or it's weird, or awkward, or whatever. Here's the greatest piece of teaching I ever got. Just say something. Give the Lord an opportunity to work. Do you know how many times you make somebody angry? It's very rare. Now, people may be disinterested. 
not care, but most of the time people want to engage in that conversation. And can we grow in that, Watermark Plano? Can we be people who are engaging left and right? And so I want to close with this. I told you at the beginning that um, the reason I wanted to do this is because I have this picture of Watermark Plano living desperate, daily dependent. And I mean, we're, we're praying and we're seeking God's best for our life and for our church and for our mission, and that is true. But there's another reason I wanted to teach this today, and it's in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. And it says this. It says, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, which he has built on it, remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Let me tell you what that means. If you're a Christ follower, you have laid a foundation that is going is gonna, to is gonna guarantee that you're going to live eternity with, with Christ. That last statement says for those people who have a relationship with Christ but don't build the right things on that foundation are going to get in, but they're going to smell like smoke. Okay, the reason I wanted to teach this message today is because I want your eternity to be great. I, I, I'm probably going to beat all of y'all there, right? I don't know when that's going to happen, okay? But whenever we are judged and Christ followers are judged based on their works, I hope I'm there. And I hope I'm cheering, and I hope your foundation is stacked as high as the Empire State Building. And I care about that. I want your eternity to be great. I've prayed that for my girls all these years. I've just said, God, uh, it may be hard things for them now, but would you do whatever it takes to make their eternity great? And do you think hard things have shaped my daughters? Absolutely. Disease. Broken bones, you pick it, has shaped, our, has shaped our family. But you know what? I trust that it's going to be great for my daughters and what's going to happen in their kingdom. So I don't know how many of y'all here are here that have, um, are close to a sinkhole. Uh, we want to help you. We want to serve you. And there's a lot of people here I know I have a relationship with that I know that you are living, living desperately, daily dependent, and it blesses me. And I love being on mission with you, doing this with you. Let's keep going. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for um, the privilege to open your word, to reflect back, to examine our hearts Father, and we just tell you as broken men, women, and kids that we want to live desperately. We want to build our trust in your goodness and in your power. We want to trust your goodness even in the midst of really hard things. Father, I pray that as we leave today that the scripture would come alive, that we would take time in these next few days before the new year starts. Just It's just a good time to reflect.
that we would kick, kick our feet up and we would say, God, speak to me. Show me how I can change so that I'm more like you and that I'm more advancing, more involved in advancing your kingdom. And so, Lord, we're grateful for how you lead us, love us, care for us. And, Father, we want to sing in response. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.